Good morning, everyone, and a belated Happy New Year to uh, many of you. Uh, yeah, this is a tough time, isn't it? There's no getting away from it. Uh, lockdown again, and although we know there's light at the sort of end of the tunnel, still it's pretty dark for some people right now. So I just want to encourage you, say that we're praying for you. The leadership team are going to be meeting tomorrow night, and we are going to pray for you all as a church family. In many ways, you know, we live in a frightening world. It's the reality of it. One of the things that we have to learn as Christians is to be honest that this is a frightening world and yet live in it without fearful hearts. Um, and in many ways, for many people, you know, not just for us, the world is frightening. I mean, the COVID pandemic has just highlighted that so that even just doing normal things like going out and interacting with people is dangerous. And so, of course, we must stay home. Uh, but there's other things going on, like just this week, scenes that you might expect from a failed state in the Middle East or something we're seeing in uh, Washington, D.C. at the Capitol building. Frightening. And then there's the things that go on all around us all of the time, wars and terrorism and uh, you know, famines, and then there's um, uh, the whole, whole things to do with climate change. Now, please, stay with me. It gets better than this, honestly. <laughs> stay with me. But we have to face the reality we live in a frightening world. And there can be different responses. There's two basic responses that people can make when, they, when they're fearful. Because one of the things that we can be fearful of is the other, the person who is not like us, especially in a very globalized, multicultural world. And uh, one of the ways that people can respond is to resist or fight. And another way they respond is to retreat or flee. In many ways, what's been going on in America is the culmination of this fighting attitude. For decades now, there's been what's been called a culture wars. And so what happened, sadly, on Wednesday was shocking but not surprising. This is a fighting mentality. But another response can be, as I say, to retreat or to flee and to build walls, to put up walls to keep the other out, to keep the danger out, to keep the fearful thing out. We put up walls. And Christians, you know, can sometimes add to that the whole idea of the wall, a distorted idea of the wall of holiness. You know, because we're called to be separate from the world. We're called to, be, to come out from the world. But you know what? Yes, we are called to be different from the world, but we're also called to be a blessing to the world. We've heard it this morning. We're to be a light to the Gentiles. Well, you can't bless the world if you're hiding behind a wall. Yeah. We're called to be a blessing. This is what this, this animation about Daniel, that's what Daniel did. Daniel didn't live in fear. He lived in a frightening empire, but he lived to bless it. He didn't live behind a, a wall. Amen. So why am I talking about all this? Well, just before Christmas, we as a leadership team were thinking and praying about, Lord, what are you, where are you leading us? What's, what are you saying to us right now? We, we believe God was talking to us about being fruitful and we looked at the whole and explored the whole issue about what spiritual fruitfulness is all about. Uh, we thought, Lord, do we stay with that or is there something else that you want to say? And a number of us felt that actually God wants to talk to us about the roots because, you know, you can only be fruitful as your roots are healthy and strong. And so we had this thought about, let's, 
we maybe need to look at the roots of our spiritual life, the inner life. But we also sense the danger of that is that we turn just inward. And God has called us to be an outward-focused people, to, to be a people who bless the world, to be a light to the Gentiles. Um, God had spoken to us. I, I, because of the, the whole roots thing, I had spoken uh, before Christmas from 2 Kings 19, verse 30, where it says, once more, a remnant of the kingdom of Judah, that is, a people who've been through a lot together but are still there, are going to, says here, take root below and then bear fruit above. And elsewhere in, in Isaiah, I think it is, it talks about filling the world with fruit. Well, you can't fill the world with fruit if you're behind a wall. The best you can get is a walled garden full of fruit. But we want to fill the world with uh, fruit. So we were thinking about this, this whole thing about roots, but wanting to be outward. And just one day before Christmas, I was listening to a radio broadcast, and it was addressing this very issue of how people, when they're frightened of what's going on in the world, and when they're frightened of the other, of the stranger, of the person who's not like them, they can build walls. And the speaker was suggesting, instead of building walls, we should send down our roots. In other words, get really clear on who you are, get really clear on your identity, on your beliefs, on your values, and then you don't have to live in the world with walls up. You can live in the world with walls down. And he used this phrase, roots down, walls down. And something just leapt within me, the Holy Spirit, that's it. We've got to be a people who have our roots down, but also live with our walls down. And so the focus, the prophetic focus for our preaching and exploring together as a church family over the next few months is exactly that. Roots down, walls down. Jesus, you know, is our example in this as in everything. It was because Jesus was so secure in who he was. He's the son of the father. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He knew who he was. Therefore, he lived with his walls down. If you, you uh, look, read the Gospels, you see Jesus going out and mixing with all the wrong people. He, did, he refused to live behind the religious and ethnic walls that most, so many people did at his time. He was mixing with a, the leper, the prostitute, the tax collector, the Syrophoenician woman, the Roman centurion. Jesus lived without walls. As we were thinking about earlier, the reckless love of God kicks down walls as he is pursuing us. So one other thing that we're going to do in Family Hubs, and I just encourage you individually, read the Gospel of Mark over the next few months. Read it and think about it and pray about it and meditate on it and see what it means. See the beauty of a life lived without walls. Jesus also demonstrates to us a new way of looking at power and authority because Jesus comes particularly this is true in the gospel of Mark you see it particularly focused on Jesus came as the servant king he came not to be served but to be but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many to lay down his life you see one of the mistakes that we can we can make when we're living in a frightening world we think we've got in order to change the world we've got to rule the world I mean to be honest with you that's been part of the problem over in America right now. Many Christians have felt they've got to rule the world, grab the levers of power, and institute Christian laws, whatever they are. But that's not how you change the world. 
you change the world like Jesus did by loving the world and serving the world and blessing the world and, and, and just being involved. In other words, being like seed, as Jesus taught us, seed sown into the field of the world. And this field, by the way, has wheat and weeds to, together growing. And we don't get to be the guys who discern what's the wheat and what's the weeds. We're called to be seed sowers, not weed pullers. And we're also actually, we are the seed itself that falls to the ground and dies. We lay down our life in love and service and we trust in the power of seed to change the field of the world. We trust in roots. So roots down, walls down. I want to say more next week about my thoughts on walls down and uh, preachers over the next few uh, weeks and months are going to be speaking on this. Some of them might focus on roots down. Some of them might focus on walls down. Some of them might bring the two together. But I just want to say something by way of a little introduction in relation to roots down uh, this morning. Uh, first of all, we need to be rooted in Christ. Number one, we need to be rooted in Christ. And there are two dimensions to that. First of all, there's our identity we need to know who we are in Christ. We are new creations in Christ. Our life is hidden with Christ in God. We sang about that earlier. And, and you know, it's Jesus is the, our identity is in him. He's the source of our life. He's the one who makes sense of our life. Our identity needs to be in Christ. But also, we need to experience intimacy. Jesus, as I said earlier, was secure in who he was. He'd heard those wonderful words before he did anything in his ministry. This is my beloved son in whom I love, whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. So he knew his identity. But you see, uh, at intervals, regularly, Jesus would take time aside to be with his father. Especially, remember when the world was getting so hostile, when he was on the way to the cross, he spent time at Gethsemane with his father, Abba, father. And so we need to know our identity in Christ but we also need to experience intimacy with the Father, with Jesus, and with the Holy Spirit. So be rooted, first of all, in Christ. But secondly, we need to be rooted in a local church. You know, the Bible knows nothing about Christians just going solo and bowling alone, as it were. The Bible talks about Christians being part of a local church family. There was a, a big evangelistic campaign once many, many years ago, and there was a guy leading the, the choir for this big thing. It was either Billy Graham or D.L. Moody or something like that, big evangelist, and he was leading the choir. And in those days, they understood that it was important that people who ministered were part of and committed to a local church. A guy came to the choir master, and he said, the guy who was leading the choir, uh, uh, he said, I want to be part of your choir. And he was a brilliant singer. But the choir master said to him, which church do you belong to? He says, oh, I don't belong to any church. I belong to the great big universal church. The choir master says, well, you go and find the choir master of that church, and then you can sing in his choir. <laughs> because they understood the importance of being committed to a local church. Folks, it's in the local. I know we can connect digitally, and that's wonderful. And we've learned some we're learning some of the benefits of that. But it's in local church where you work out 
loving one another, relating together. You learn to love one another, serve one another, build one another up, humble yourself before one another, forgive one another. All the one another verses can only be worked out in the context of local church. So we need to have our roots into a local church. I appeal to folks, please don't allow this time when we can't be together physically to cause you to drift to the edges, to disconnect. It's more important than ever that we connect with one another. I don't know, find creative ways of doing it. Make that phone call, write that note, text that person. Don't wait, you initiate it, okay? But let's give expression to what it means to be a church family because we're meant to be rooted in local church. And finally, we need to be rooted in a community. You find in the Bible, as you look, the Bible is very concerned with place. It, it doesn't, God's people are not a rootless people. They are placed somewhere. So, for example, if you read the New Testament, Paul writes to the church at Philippi or the church at Ephesus or the church at Thessalonica. There's a wonderful little introduction to the letter to the Colossians. It says, to those in Christ in Coloss. Their identity was in Christ, but the place God had placed them and called them to was in Coloss. So I believe we need to be part, we need to know what place God has put us in, and that might mean a particular town or city, community. It certainly will mean a, a workplace for many of us or a neighborhood. I believe right now at this moment, God is using you in really special ways in your local neighborhood. It's because God is concerned about place. Jonah had to learn this. He was called by God to go to, the, to, go to Nineveh. But of course, because his big walls were up, his walls of judgment and condemnation and exclusion, he ran away. He wanted to be in Tarshish while God had his way of getting him to the place where he called him to Nineveh. What place is God calling you? My friends, we need to be rooted in a place. We need to, we need to know what place God has called us to. We need to know what people God has joined us to. And above all, of course, we need to know what person, what person we find our identity in. I love that prayer of Paul to the, in Ephesians chapter 3. I pray that you being rooted and established in love will grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep. It's that phrase, that you be rooted and established in love. That means rooted in the fact that we are loved by God and we love him right back. But it also means rooted in the fact that we are learning to love one another well. And also that we're allowing that love to overflow to the other, to our community to our workplace, to our neighborhood. Let's be rooted and established in love. So I'll say more about walls down next week, but let me just pray for you. Lord, I pray for each and every one of us that we would know what it means to be rooted and established in love. Lord, that we might be a blessing to all peoples, that we might be a light in this dark world and at this dark time. Lord, let us be deeply rooted and let us reach out widely with your love. Those who have got the deepest roots will have the widest reach in reaching out to people. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.